for me, I always thought I, I you know, the abundance mindset thing is a great point too, because I think a lot of folks think that other people have the information, but they don't want to share it, you know, like, but there's a reality in in real estate where the good investors are constantly growing, are constantly changing their business, whether they're going from doing C-class deals to B-class deals, maybe they're doing larger deals, maybe they're going into different markets. It's probably likely that whoever you're looking to for advice in terms of if they're above you, kind of on the food chain, so to speak, they're probably not even competing with you in whatever you're doing. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, as always, Yona Weiss. And today I am joined by the one and only Axel. Ragnaros. And when I say one and only, because I don't know how many people have that name, right? <laughs> Pretty unique. Not many I know. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm one of one in my own world, although I'm sure there's there's some others floating around out there, but uh, it's not a common one, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I love to just give our listeners a little bit of context who we're talking with today. You may have heard of him because he's the host of another incredible real estate podcast called Multifamily Wealth. Uh, show is that something you definitely should check out. Obviously, go ahead and subscribe to that. We'll put the, that in the show notes over here. Um, but Axel is a real estate investor himself. He actually started as a great story. He started when he was in college. And uh, like a lot of people who have ambitions to grow fast, he's doing exactly that. And he has a lot of experience in not only the brokerage side and the fix and flips and doing a lot of different things. And now going fully into multifamily and uh, just closed on another property, 16 unit, just a couple of weeks ago. So that's really exciting. Exactly. Yeah, things have been going really well. And you know, like we were talking about before we hit record here, it feels like every few months, I mean, a lot of people in real estate can probably <laughs> agree with this. It's like the bio changes a little bit. So under contract on a lot of property right now, and um, the business has been growing, so, so can't complain. Yeah. And so how... Let's just give a little more context here, right? You're from New England, right? Um, Boston originally. But I, I live in Boston, yep. When you went to school in New Hampshire, so a lot of your properties were in that neighborhood. And tell me again, when you started out while you were in college, right? The first, first property that you had over there, that was on campus? That was something nearby, local? So it actually wasn't on campus where I was going to school, but it was in my hometown. So I grew up uh, southern New Hampshire, a really small town called Chester, New Hampshire, um, okay. which is about 40 minutes from from my college. So it was, it was drivable. And, and obviously, I knew the area really well. But it was I did buy it while I was in college. I was a junior, worked with a private lender, You know, found it off market, kind of the whole nine yards. A story that's been told uh, a couple of times, I'm sure. But uh, but yes, I was I did get started in college, um, and the deal was just in my hometown, so it was it was a nice easy first one. Okay, and so fast forward a couple of years, right? Because you you're it's not like you know college was like twenty years ago. We're talking you're <laughs> you're fresh, pretty fresh out of college, right? I mean a few years a few years graduated, right? It's not like you're you're in your mid twenties now, is that right? I'm 26, yeah, and I'm I'm coming up on being out of school for four years, which for me feels like forever. <laughs> I feel like people <laughs> listening to that are going to be like, "Dude, shut up!" But, um, but I've been out for yeah for a few years now, and the quick progression from you know junior year of college closing a three unit multifamily there till now is you know did a few deals while I was in school, and uh, I, I used to flip cars and buy and sell cars. That's kind of how I made money. So that's what you know I took that money and kind of rolled it into real estate, and I worked with a lot of private lenders. Found really good deals, direct to seller off market, and you know just started rolling the 
proceeds from one into the other and, um, you know, kind of rode the market. Like I'm sure a lot of people have done the last four, five, six, seven years, however long we were talking now. And at, at, at some point I got my license and then I realized that wasn't really for me. And you know, I just didn't want to spend a lot of time brokering deals. So I did that for a year and a half, really just to stay in real estate in a more kind of full-time capacity. And um, just organically built the portfolio of properties that you know I personally owned, and just this last you know to really speed the story up, I guess yeah. um, this last six to nine months, I've I've been focusing more on doing you know, slightly larger deals, working with some partners, raising some money, and getting away from just doing deals that's that's only me because I realize that's not the not the easiest way to scale. Needless to say, so that kind of brings us up to more or less today. Right, exactly, and. Last year, you founded your podcast, right? Multifamily Wealth. I yep. imagine that had a lot to do with your transitioning into much larger types of properties. What, what was that like in terms of your uh, helping to accelerate that? Yeah, I think it was really helpful in that I spoke with a lot of a lot of guys, you know, a lot of people, a lot of investors that were doing larger deals. And I asked a you know I asked a version of the same question in a lot of the interviews where it's like. You know, if you can go back and tell yourself something or, or, or give yourself a piece of advice when you get started, you know, what is it? And pretty much everyone is in some way or fashion says, just go bigger sooner. So I was like, all right, it's probably time <laughs> to start doing larger deals. And, you know, I built a portfolio of 60, 70 units that I personally own. So it was, it wasn't like I, you know, I, I didn't know the business, right? And I'm talking to everyone that, that understands the business, right? For me, it was just getting outside of my market since my local market's extremely expensive mm. and um, it's really hard to do large deals around here. So the hurdle for me was going somewhere else and actually learning a market, you know, building relationships with all the service providers, learning how to underwrite deals pretty effectively. So once I got over that hurdle, which was really just connecting with people in other markets and really opening my mind up to partnering with people, um, you know, boots on the ground, folks that are local to that market and understand it, then things started to, to really take off. Um, and that's really, that's really in terms of a timeline, really been the last like three months. And, you know, closed the deal, like you mentioned, a 16 unit, a smaller one in Florida. You know, we got another one under contract uh, in Lakeland, Florida as well, the same market as the 16 unit, helping to raise capital for a, 104 unit deal in Houston. So now it's really starting to gain momentum. Mm -hmm. And really it was just kind of flipping that switch. Like you can partner with other operators, other investors who are local to those markets. And that really helps to mitigate that learning curve in terms of understanding the market. And, and that's what helped me get over that fear a little bit, I guess. <clears throat> wow. And so I guess you, where you're at at this stage, I mean, would you say anything else to someone who's, uh, you know, in college or, or, you know, just shortly after college or, who knows? Maybe even you know someone like me who's you know forty and <laughs> looking to to get more full time into real estate. Like, is there anything you would do differently, or just to, to get started to go bigger faster? I mean, is that basically what you've taken away from those other people, or is there anything else you would you would add to that? Yeah, I think for me personally, and and, and this might be something that applies to a lot of other folks, is I was always really afraid to ask for help. Like, I I just always assumed that people are going to be protective of the information or just, you know, protective of the knowledge they had gained being in the business. So, you know, the first two, three years I was in real estate, I was, you know, it's not like I was learning everything on my own. I was out there looking at, you know, YouTube and listening to the podcast and doing all that fun stuff. But what was tricky for me was I, if I ran into a particular problem that I couldn't really get the answer to, um, whether that was doing a deal or whether that was trying to to, to do a larger deal and, and getting stuck at some hurdle, whatever it was, whether it was financing, whether it was deal structure, whether it was mentally being able to, you know, get on board with doing a larger deal, getting out of the comfort zone. I just never bounced that stuff off other people. And I I stay, I stayed kind of in my own zone. 
And um, I think a lot of people don't struggle with that. A lot of people have no problem asking for help and, and leaning on others. I I personally had a really hard time with that. So it wasn't until you know starting a podcast or just understanding that people don't mind sharing that information and, and helping other folks that you know when I was doing these larger deals, I called up people that I know who had done exactly that and just you know paid them for their time or I just you know took them out to lunch, took them out to dinner, thanked them and and you know a number of different ways. And got their advice, got their take, got their you know feedback on how to do something, how to handle certain issues, and I just would have grown faster if I did that earlier, which is really what it comes down to. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's <laughs> that would be my biggest piece of advice: is like other people have done everything you're trying to do, and they're probably willing to help you in some way. And and mm. just leaning on folks that are already doing that is going to be really helpful, and it's going to accelerate how fat, how how, uh, how quickly you grow. I think that's incredible advice. There's a lot to unpack there. I mean, it really is because yeah. There's one of the things that I love most about the, you know, the real estate investing and multifamily community specifically is just like you're saying, the, the, um, abundance mindset that most people have, which is I, yeah, I've done this and, you know, whatever, but I'm willing to share with, with you. Obviously there are coaches out there that are these mentorship programs where people will give you everything you need to know. And obviously you pay a, a pretty penny to take those and be part of those groups, things like that. But, a lot of other people will just be happily, you know, share their information. There's, there are people like Chris Jackson, right? Sharpline Equity, who's got a, a underwriting sheet that he, you know, gives away. Like you can use his model. And there are many others like him, but there's just one first that comes to the top of my mind that they've already built that underwriting spreadsheet. And all you need to do, right, is kind of you know, just reach out. And it's really, and there are a lot of people I know myself, I've looked at deals. And I've reached out to friends, you know, clients of mine or whatever people that I know, know those areas. And I've been looking to underwrite deals myself uh, b- before I realized that I actually don't like underwriting deals. <laughs> but, um, Who does? <laughs> right. But when, I, but when I was doing that, I would reach out to some people and, you know, people would happily like take a few minutes and look through it and see if my numbers were accurate and if the deal penciled out and made sense to them. People who had been in that market know things that I don't know, right? Like something I remember mm-hmm. someone came out was like, well, hey, look, you want to make sure you know, there are flat roofs here on this property, right? That's, that's going to affect the, something I didn't think of, I didn't think about before things like that, you know, little things where you may not know and people local to that market will have a lot better insight on. Yeah. I mean, those are all great points too, especially the the last, you know, piece you mentioned where folks who are local to a market, I mean, that's, you know, when you're going out of state initially, and I think this is something that a lot of people do, especially up in the Northeast, like where we are, right? Where, I mean, you know, you're in a market that is really expensive to buy multifamily properties. I live in Boston. It's I can't buy multifamily up here. It's just not going to be something that I do for probably another 20 years if I'm assuming that I, you know, keep on this pace. But if you're going to other markets, you know, lean on folks that are there, whether this is a mentorship group or whether it's, you know, you're paying for this information in some way. Maybe you don't even have to do that, right? If you're if you specifically understand what's holding you back. Like maybe you just don't understand the market pricing of a certain submarket in this area. And that's really what's holding you back because you don't, you can't confidently underwrite a deal. I don't know, jump on the horn with a couple of brokers or a couple of guys that are doing deals there and mm-hmm. just, you know, 15 minutes. You can, you can learn a lot in 15 minutes. 15 <laughs> yeah, minutes you know answers a lot of questions. questions. You know exactly. the right questions to ask, right? Yeah. And I think um, for me, I always thought, I, I, you know, the abundance mindset thing is a great point too, because I think a lot of folks think that. Other people have the information, but they don't want to share it, you know, like, but there's a reality in, in real estate where the good investors are constantly growing, are constantly changing their business, whether they're going from, 
doing C-class deals to B-class deals. Maybe they're doing larger deals. Maybe they're going into different markets. It's probably likely that whoever you're looking to for advice in terms of if they're above you kind of on the food chain, so to speak, they're probably not even competing with you in whatever you're doing, right? Like if someone came up to me and was asking about, you know, help understanding how to take down a three-unit deal, like I don't, I'm not trying to really do those deals anymore. There's no direct competition. I don't, it doesn't bother me that somebody else is doing them. So, and for me, maybe that's somebody doing a 150 unit deal. Like I'm not really doing those right now. They might be doing them by the time I'm doing them. They're probably going to be doing something else. So I think that understanding that's, that's helpful in a way too. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the flips, flips I could have, I mean, you could be surprised, right? You might ask someone about a, a deal. And this actually happened to me where I asked someone about investing in a certain market and a certain type of deal. And they turned back around to me and offered me to partner with them on a deal that, that they were doing in that same market with the thing. You know, so as opposed to competing or or trying to like let's collaborate, let's join forces. Yeah. We can do a lot more together. And so that's really that's incredible. And I think you can feel the same way. But you know, transitioning now to larger properties, to bigger things. I mean, is there anything that you're still seeing as a challenge in doing that? Yeah, I think the cha- I mean, it's like any, like like leveling up in anything in business, right? It's always fear of the unknown. So that's still a challenge, right? Is understanding, you know, uh, let's just say you're going through the due diligence process on a big deal, right? Understanding what needs to be done at what time and what checkpoints need to be hit and who, what service providers you got to bring in at which time to kind of help you out and and you know what you need to do first, what you need to do last, like all that stuff is you you don't know how much you actually don't know until you're doing it. You know, so for me, I was always kind of nervous about doing something like that myself, right? So I that that unfortunately caused me for a long time to just not, you know, do those types of deals. And then now that I partner with people that have gone through that process, it is really helpful. And it's obvious it's interesting because you look at it and you're like, there really wasn't that much to it that I couldn't have even probably figured out on my own. But I think that's that's the that's a big thing for me. And and um and as I'm going bigger, a specific problem that I'm facing is the shiny object syndrome, specifically as it relates to markets and opportunities. So, you know, once you decide that, you know, even at any level of real estate, everyone always tells you, you got to network, you got to network, you got to meet the people that are doing the deals. So for me, I'm out there meeting everyone who's doing deals in India, they're doing deals in Kansas City and in Florida, South Carolina, you know, Arkansas, doing every deals all over the map, right? And, And what I ran into is I spread myself really thin and trying to look at deals in all these different markets and build relationships with all these different people. When in reality, I should have went approached it the other way. And I still struggle with this in a way too, is really get narrow on whether it's a market or a person, right? Whether it's a mm-hmm. connection that you want to do deals with, right? go deep with that person or that group and try and look at a lot of deals with them or look at a lot of deals in tandem with them or, or, or what have you. Or if it's going to be a market, you know, look at a lot of deals in that market or with, you know, or just really analyze that market rather than kind of jumping around and, and and talking with a bunch of people and looking at a bunch of different cities. So sure. that was my hurdle. Um, still kind of, you know, dealing with that. But as you do a couple of deals, it, you're almost naturally self-select. Like now I'm really focused in, you know, the I-4 corridor in Florida. Like I know that's really where I, I'm going to spend time since I have property in now, right. property there now. And, and I've done deals with a couple of guys. So now I have relationships that we've actually gone, you know, to the finish line with. So of course. And you have resources there as well, meaning you've you've utilized certain vendors locally and, and things like that, property managers. So you'll be able to further utilize them if they work well, obviously, um, on, exactly. on more properties in the area. And I think it's a great point you're making. You know, you can either 
you know, focus and find those markets or find those people you want to deal with um, and do deals with. But either one, you know, I think once you actually get something locked up, that's going to guide you, right? You're either going to know yeah. this is where I want to go further, faster, or or not. Right? You you'll know pretty quickly, I think, um, and that's a pretty fair statement. I think across the board. One thing that I've I remember reading Joe Fairless's book, right? The best ever syn- real estate syndication book, which was, you know, I literally read it. Like he sent me a copy, like right off the bat, you know, <laughs> like um, right before it was published. Actually, did I get a, no, no, I didn't. I thought I had a, I actually wrote like something for him on that, but it wasn't, uh, but I helped him promote it right in the beginning. Anyways, in that book, he wrote something, something very specific. He's like, when you want to find a syndication, when you want to start a syndication business, one thing you should do in terms of underwriting deals, just pick two to three markets, two yep. to three markets, like, and then study those markets really, really well. I mean, obviously you got to take time. You have to kind of sort out uh, before you narrow down to those two to three, but that's basically what he recommended. Like pick two or three and just stick with it. And I've, I've been mm-hmm. guilty to that as well, right? Looking around all over the place. But on the other hand, I'm much more you know, aligned with the second statement that you said, which is, you know, find those partners, find the people that you want to deal with. And then you really, it, it doesn't matter because they've done their research, they're doing their research and they have their, you know, um, especially if they already own in those markets, they'll continue looking in those markets as well because they, they already own. It doesn't necessarily be, have to be narrowed to two or three at that point. Exactly. And, and this is maybe going to be a controversial statement. I don't know, but I, I feel like it's possible to over network in a way. <laughs> like, you got, you know, you're talking with three, four, five people that are doing what you want to be doing or, or, or kind of in the same level or even above you, wherever, you know, on a weekly basis, you almost start to get analysis paralysis and who you might want to even work with. And that's what I ran into. I was like, well, I'd like to do deals with this person here, that person there. And then, you know, this group over in that city. And at some point you just gotta, you just gotta spend your time and go deep in whether it's relationships or markets. And, you know, so again, there's no such thing as a network that's too big, but maybe, so I don't want to misconstrue that, but, but it can, you can get almost, in, you can get I, paralyzed. No, I <laughs> and what you're, what you're saying that I can, I can relate to that to a certain point. Cause I, I definitely, uh, if there was anyone that over networks, I think, um, I can qualify for that. <laughs> um, but, but I, I'd love to understand like how you actually did go ahead and pick someone or pick a group or pick a market. Like how did, how did it come from, you know, wanting to do that to actually just jumping in? So what I ended up doing was I kind of backed into it with a few different things. I was like, what markets are similar to where I'm already investing, which is a Manchester, New Hampshire is where I own all my property. It's a very small, I mean, it's 120,000 people. So it's a very small city um, in the grand scheme of national markets. So I was looking at markets like what's similar to the market that I invest in. So what can I kind of wrap my head around in terms of pricing, in terms of you know the average rents, in terms of the landlord tenant laws, all that fun stuff. So that led me to Lakeland, Florida, which I basically backed into because I had a friend that moved down to Tampa, visited Tampa, really liked the city. And Lakeland is situated right in between Tampa and Orlando, Florida. So it's about 100,000 people, 120,000 people, very similar price per unit, very similar metrics, all that fun stuff, You know, job growth, population growth, all the stuff you look for. So it checks all those boxes. Then I said, all right, I like this market. Where do I have people that I you know can partner with that are local? And I happened to be building a relationship at the time with numerous people in Tampa that were investing in Lakeland and kind of checked both those boxes. And I said, all right, I kind of have everything I need here. So let's just narrow down on this. And then there was some other stuff too, where it was like, is there a direct flight? Like there's a direct flight to Tampa from Boston. So that's nice. It's not a pain to get there. 
you know, it's in my time zone. It's a place that I don't mind visiting. Like, you know, I'm from the Northeast. I'm never going to turn down an opportunity to go <laughs> to Florida, <laughs> especially in the winter. So all those things started checking out, right? And conversely, on the flip side, you know, there were some markets I was looking at in the Midwest that were different time zone, a pain to get to. I was going to have to kind of start from scratch to build relationships with people who are local out there. And sure, I love the markets, but I there was I was closer to actually getting something done in this mm-hmm. one. So that's kind of how I narrowed down into that one. And then I'm doing this deal in Houston, this large deal where I'm going to have a you know small GP stake helping to raise capital. It's you know I'm not the lead on it by any means, but that's someone that I've had a relationship with who's local to New Hampshire from where I'm you know originally from. We've known each other for years, and we've just been in touch for years. And that was just a relationship that just organically grew into us working together. So that was one of those relationships that I just invest a lot of time into and have for a long time. So, and then you know, obviously Houston's a really solid market. I yeah. I can underwrite it, and and you know he's own he owns five hundred plus units in the market. So it's there's a lot of those checks too in order to getting involved in the deal itself. But in terms of the people in the market, that's kind of how I got there. No, that's great, and I think you you hit on some really excellent points there. I mean, to to just unpack that, you, you got to just review some of the things you said because they just make so much sense. I mean, you like the place where, where you want to invest in and it's easy to get to. And obviously all the other boxes are checked in terms of what you're looking for in general. But I think the more practical reasons to invest are, are I think, more important and kind of override even the, you know, the market itself. And I think that's something that can't be overlooked. Obviously, if you're if you're drawn to something, also there's something there. I, I honestly believe there's something. Mm-hmm. If something's drawing you, there's there's something that is is a reason why it's uh, drawing you to that place. Um, so follow that because that's kind of uh, subliminal messages that are uh, that are kind of speaking to you and showing you where uh, where you should be going. Um, so that's awesome. Let me before we get to the final four because time's flying over here. But I want to I want to just ask you a little bit about the podcast. I mean, you obviously started the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. It's been successful. You guys have gotten a, a ton of you know growth through that. Been a good amount of downloads, I guess, relatively speaking. You know, you're probably a little bit ahead, but um, enough to uh, to want to do it on a weekly basis. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what I wanted to, to, t- to ask you about. I mean, is it... I, I believe that if you are podcasting, you have to really enjoy what you're doing. Because if you don't, I think it's a waste of time, honestly. <laughs> I would not be doing this if I didn't love doing this, if I didn't literally love having these conversations. But obviously there's things that I don't necessarily love so much about the podcasting or the editing. I have a company, Streamline Podcast takes care of that. Shout out to Streamline. You know, but the actual back work and all the work that goes into it, that's something that I would love to not have to do. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, but I, what's the best thing that you've gotten out of the podcast that you've started? I mean, that's a great question. You know, I think that. So tan- I'm going to answer that. I'm going to give you two answers, right? I'm going to I'm going to do more than what you're asking here. But tangibly speaking, the podcast helped me meet the partners that I'm doing deals with down in Florida. So that was a great medium, right? We met off, we met away from the podcast, but they kind of were already familiar because they've been listening to it. So there was already a level of familiarity there, a level of trust and mutual, you know, respect that was really helpful. So I mean, you know, tangibly did it. You know, I'm about to do a couple of deals that came from doing a podcast, but. Outside of that, I think what's more impactful that's hard to quantify is it's forcing me to just continue talking to people that are doing more than what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. like I've just I've just been forced to have conversations and to surround myself with and to interact with people that are kind of playing at the next level. And I'm someone that 
some people are just like, I can literally just go and do whatever I like, like they're just like, they know that they can go and do everything they go on, you know, want to go and do. But for me, I, you know, I tend to go a little slower and people might think, you know, you're four years out of school, you're, you're, you know, full-time in real estate. That's one thing. But for me, it's like, I still have a hard time taking risks and doing bigger things mm-hmm. and being around people that uh, are doing the bigger things and are relatable in a lot of respects to where I'm at and to what I'm doing. And really just, you know, point blank, seeing that there's not that much that separates the guys that are doing the big deals, making, you know, the big money with the big networks, all that fun stuff, then kind of, you know, me or where I'm at. So I think that's really helpful. And that's been a byproduct of, you know, learning a lot and meeting a lot of great people. But I think that's for me personally, something that I've really taken away from it. Absolutely. When you have a podcast, it's a, it's an easy way to have a conversation with someone that you may not, <laughs> not exactly. have ever been able to have a conversation with. And uh, no, mm-hmm. I totally, totally relate to that. Although the, the strange thing about my podcast is that uh, for our listeners that listen week after week, what's kind of unique is that almost every single person that I've had as a guest on this podcast are people that I already know, <laughs> people that I already have a relationship <laughs> with. And I go out of my way to invite them because I want to continue that, uh, building that relationship, continue the conversation and in a different kind of format. Well, so I don't, so that, that to me is still, I mean, is incredibly useful and powerful because all the people that we've had here are awesome people. And uh, I love to have those conversations with. So, so that's, well, you already know everybody too. So it's hard for you to bring somebody else. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not exactly true. I mean, I do definitely I know. know a lot of people, but, okay. um, but I do, it's, it's funny. I, I kind of turn down whenever people kind of reach out to me coldly and like, Hey, and there's all these podcasting companies out there, these third party, yeah. they're trying to like, um, you know, you pay the booking them agencies, to, the booking yeah, agencies. Have, have yeah. this person on. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you on that. Yeah. Anyways, that's my kind of pet peeve, the booking agencies. Nevertheless, Axel, let's jump into the final four. These are four questions I ask all of my guests. And the first question I would like to ask you today is what is the worst job that you ever had? Yeah. So, so I had a pretty bad one. <laughs> when I was in high school, I worked in a, in a metal shop. It was my dad, my dad had a company where he built wood grinders. That was his business, <laughs> funny enough. And um, I worked in the parts department cleaning returned parts that would then get cleaned and um, either melted down, you know, formed into, you know, parts that they use on new machines or, you know, they were just defects and I had to clean them up before they actually just tossed them out because they were gunky. So I literally would spend four hours with metal or with, um, with, with rubber gloves on just cleaning the insides of metal parts out. And I'd go home with blisters in between my fingers every time I worked. Oh my goodness. Did that for a summer. And I said, Hey dad, I don't think I'm going to do that again. Appreciate you paying me for the summer, but, uh, I will never be doing that. So that's probably the worst one. That, that wasn't great. That's yeah. That sounds pretty horrible. If you had to <laughs> list them, right. Thank God you'll you never have to go back to doing anything of the sort ever yeah, again. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, what's a book that you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? So uh, this is one that I've actually read a couple of times recently. It's called The One Page Marketing Plan um, by Alan Bibb, I believe is his last name. First name is Alan. I think his last name is Dibb. But um, it is a great book about marketing, especially as it relates to small businesses. Um, and when you really boil it down, real estate is a sales and marketing business. Real estate just happens to be the product in whatever way you're involved. And it was an unbelievable book and completely changed how I looked at marketing and how to build a marketing plan and what I need to focus on as it relates to marketing, whether that's for deals or trying to meet you know new investors, passive investors, whatever, you know, the personal brand side, you know, content marketing. 
I've read that twice, probably going to read it again. Wow. That was, that was a big one for me. Big, okay. Really good, really tactical book. All right. Well, yeah, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. That's, uh, I think marketing, everyone needs to, to excel at. Yeah. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk says all the time, like every single person is really a marketing company. Like every business you're in, you're in the marketing business. And you also happen to do real estate or do cost segregation or do, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, but you are a marketing company. And I think to not be really proficient at it and do it well, you're missing out a tremendous amount. Absolutely. Third question for you. What is a skill or talent that you'd like to learn? Um, you know, I, I had a couple that I was thinking about when, um, when I was thinking about this question, I think, I think the number one thing and something that I'd like to do is just is learn how to box, which is funny enough. Like I'm, I go to the gym, I stay active, reasonably active, right? I don't do enough cardio. So I think that a way to do more cardio would be to actually like go to boxing classes. That's something that I'd like to do personally, <laughs> funny enough. All right. So unrelated to real estate, but a good way to actually, you know, catch a sweat and get some cardio in would be, would be that in my mind. So yeah, that's something beat. I've been thinking about doing, taking some classes. Yeah. And get beat up. It's always good to get, you know, catch a few punches once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why not? You know, just, just uh, live a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to you on that. That's uh, that sounds like a fun one. Fourth and final question. <laughs> what does success mean to you? Uh, to me, it's freedom, you know, and I don't have a family. I'm not married, right? So I, I don't understand that much, but I think at some point I'm really going to understand that. <laughs> it's probably really going to be why I, why I'm doing what I'm doing. But for me, it's working when I want to, you know, going where I want to go when I want to go there, not having somebody, you know, not being on somebody else's time. And whether it was real estate or not, I was always going to kind of end up like that. You know, I was the, that first job I had, I, I had that job and then I had another job in high school and that's it. I haven't really had a job since then. I took a job at a college in sales. And that's why I moved to Boston. And I worked there for three days before I realized this really just is for me. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's, abs- it's control over my own time, control over my own destiny and, and my own efforts. And, and, and that all results in freedom, right? To do what you want, to make what you want, all that fun stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you're already doing that. So it sounds like you have met that level of success and continue, you know, continue to grow that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it continues to grow, right? So um, let's all knock on wood there. <laughs> 100%. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Axel, today. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Sure. You can find me on Instagram um, at Multifamily Wealth. Um, I'm really active on there. You know, Axel Ragnarsson on LinkedIn. Probably not going to find that many other ones on there. And then again, the podcast, Multifamily Wealth Podcast. And if you do want to just shoot me an email, you could you could do that at uh, Axel, A-X-E-L, at Brickleaf Properties, B-R-I-C-K-L-E-A-F Properties.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time out today and uh, wishing you a tremendous amount of continued success. I think we're going to have to bring you back on in like six months or so because the, the growth will have you know accelerated to such an extent. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to the story. I hope so. And I'd love to come back and talk about it for sure if, if that does end up happening. But uh, thanks again for the invite. And it was um, it was a great end. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought this was, this was great. Hopefully we can do it again. Awesome. And to all the listeners, remember, until next time, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. 
Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.